Well, my title of my sermon this morning is When It's Tough to Be a Christian. Now, that begs the question, when is it tough to be a Christian? Well, there's kind of some obvious times, aren't they? We might think of, well, persecution. You know, when you're being murdered for your faith, when you're being arrested for your faith. I would say that falls under the category of a tough time, wouldn't you? Now, that's not something that our, our culture, our generation uh, has had to deal with much. But there's certainly been people who, for following Christ, execution and arrest were very real possibilities. You know, in our culture, it is very possible that because of your faith in Christ, you could be fired from a job. I know individuals in our church family for whom that's happened. Uh, maybe you don't get fired, but you know, you're kind of held at bay. You're, you're overlooked. Sometimes in our own faith, we can go home and maybe among family and friends, we're, we're ostracized, ignored, maybe, maybe left out of some things. Those, those are times, man, it's tough to be a Christian. You know, another time I think that it's tough to be a Christian is, is when you're really trying and nothing's working. Have you, have you ever been there? You're really trying to follow the Lord. You're doing what you know to do, trying to understand more of what that means. I mean, you're reading your Bible, you're praying, you're going to church, you're trying to obey. But man, you're just at a time in life where nothing in your life is working. Nothing's coming together. And there's a relationship that's wearing you out. Finances are beating you up. Things are horrible at work. And, and you know, you just kind of say, gosh, it doesn't seem like I'm getting anything out of this Christianity thing. It doesn't seem like I'm getting anything out of following Christ. I, I, don't, I don't see anything better for following Him and the, and the person who doesn't even seem to care less. Now, I don't think we're supposed to measure God in that way. As a matter of fact, the Bible actually says we walk by faith, not by sight, not by measuring these events in our life. But it's hard not to do that, isn't it? You know, I think another time is hard to be a Christian is, is when you're trying to obey in different areas and it feels like, I don't know if it's always the truth, but it feels like nobody else around you is. You know, you're trying to tell the truth, but everybody around you is getting ahead by lying. You know, you're trying not to cuss, everybody else is. You're trying to be sexually pure and it seems like everybody at school is sleeping around. Not usually true, but that's the way it feels. Man, it's tough when you're like that. You feel, you feel isolated, you feel alone, you start to wonder, am I... Is it, am I doing the right thing? I tell you, another time it's tough to be a Christian is when you need to be one and you don't want to be one. You ever had one of those moments? A couple of, I think it's been about two years ago now, I uh, went to this store, and I'm going to leave the store very vague because I don't want to you know, talk bad about anybody or anything today. But I, I went to this store and I had an appointment to get some work done and I, and I showed up on time and, uh, you know, went up to the, the counter there and the uh, person said, you know, man, we, we've had somebody not show up today and, you know, this piece of equipment's broken and I, we're not going to be able to get you in today. And I was feeling pretty good mood today. I thought, well, that's fine. There's no problem with that. I, you know, I can come back another time. Now, I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, you know, everything you just said has been true all day long. Any chance you could have called me before I drove 25 minutes over here? You know, but being the wonderful kind person I am, I just took it in stride and I said, sure, I'll, I'll reschedule. So we rescheduled for the next day and again, I drove all the way over there and I walk up to the counter and of course, you know what, I wasn't scheduled. Now at this moment, I was not feeling like a wonderful and kind person. Now I was feeling like, you know, I've really got something to share here and I'm pretty sure nobody would confuse it for Christianity. 
I, I really did. And, and I, now I wasn't thinking all that. I just knew that what was getting ready to come up and come out uh, on this person and what I thought about this whole system they had going probably would not be really uh, very nice. And, and, and folks, literally, I mean, it's making its way up and it's about to come out. And I, I just hear two words from the Holy Spirit. Be careful. And for some reason that day I listened and, and I took a breath and I just said, when can I get scheduled? And, and so the person says, well, we can get you probably in right now. <laughs> Any chance you could have said, just start it off with that? You know? and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm turning in some stuff for them to start doing this work. And then the person says, well, by the way, I've been coming to your church for the last month. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Because <laughs> I was really close to saying something to guarantee they'd never come to our church again. Now, I, I'm guessing probably y'all don't have that same problem that I have a lot where that's when it's tough. But you know what I'm talking about? You don't want to be a Christian in certain moments. It'd just be easier not to be. You know what I'm talking about? You know, there's a lot of times, a lot of different ways, a lot of different places. It's tough to be a Christian. And I think we're living, I think most of you would agree with me, I think we're living in a culture and a time period where it's going to get harder and harder to do that. Uh, we're living in a culture where it's becoming increasingly antagonistic toward, toward the Bible, toward biblical values, toward Christians. I mean, we live in a world where, I mean, when you and I leave here, there's not a lot that encourages us to walk with Christ. When we leave this building, we get out there, and man, the, the TV and the magazines and the radio and sometimes friends and, and the schools and the work, they just all seem to be really screaming a very different message, don't they? And it gets hard. It's becoming a, a more difficult environment to be a follower of Jesus. Boy, the Romans sure understood that, didn't they? As we've looked at that church, we've looked at that city and that time place in here, that time place in, in history. Man, it was hard to follow Christ. They were dealing with high pollution, high crime, overcrowding, very, very stressful environment. Most of these people displaced as is often the case in large cities. They've, they've come from somewhere else. They're out of their, their comfort zone. And, and man, in this environment, you need a gang. Yeah, you need people you can run with that can, that can protect you. And when you came to Christ, it made you an outcast. You became a part of an extreme minority. Christians would have been less than 1% of the population. I mean, folks, you realize when we get together and talk about how hard it is to be a Christian in America today, we cry on each other's shoulders. Man, there's still a lot of us, isn't there? I mean, we, we've not been in an environment where we're an extreme minority. Most of us have never lived in a place where at best Christianity was misunderstood. At worst, it was being attacked and hated. We've never had to live in an environment like that. That's where the Romans lived. I mean, it's hard to follow Christ in that environment. And man, Paul knows what's going on there. He has certainly felt that in other parts of his ministry and empire. So he knows where these people are living. He knows what they're dealing with. And so as he writes this letter right up front, in the opening verses, man, he just wants to encourage them. And he just wants to come alongside and be an encouragement in their lives. Let's see how he does that this morning. Look with me. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we've got some there in the chairs in front of you. If it's not one right in front of you, look around. It's somewhere on the row there. You kind of point to it. Somebody will hand you one. Romans chapter 
one. This is our fourth message. I don't know how long I'll keep number them. You know, at some point we'll say this is our 46th message and who will care at that point. But uh, this is our fourth message. We've kind of done two messages to kind of get introduced to the letter, introduced to Rome, the history, kind of get a context for this is arriving. Then we looked at verses one through seven and, and Paul's kind of saying, hey, this is who I am. He's introducing himself to this church. And now he turns in these next couple of verses. Remember, we're still at the very opening of this letter and he starts to talk about them. Look what he says, Romans chapter 1 verse 8. He says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported around the world. For God whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son is my witness that I constantly mention you. He's saying here, I'm constantly praying for you. Then he goes on to say what he's, one of the things he's praying about. Always asking in my prayers that if somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. He's been trying to get there. Several efforts to get there, but things just kept kind of getting in the way. Verse 11, for I want very much to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now I want you to know, brothers, that I often planned to come to you but was prevented until now in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you just as among the rest of the Gentiles." I don't know if it flew off the page at you there, but there's four different things that Paul does to encourage these believers in Rome, to encourage these Christians for whom, man, it's just pretty tough trying to follow Jesus. It's pretty tough trying to be a Christian. And as, as I kind of point this out, I hope it's going to become clear as we kind of walk through these four things. I want you to be thinking this morning about who is somebody in my life, maybe there's more than one, but who, there, who is there in my life that I need to encourage? Now, I'm not just talking about somebody in general today, and I'm not just talking about general encouragement. I'm talking about where is there, who is there in your life, a Christian who you know is taking it on the chin right now? now you know, a Christian for whom you, you're just watching their life. You know, man, it's got to be tough to be trusting God through that. Or maybe you know, man, I know maybe they're feeling a little abandoned by God right now. Maybe they're, they're really working at this and it, it's just tough following Christ. Maybe you can see that. Maybe you know that. Think about that person. And I want you to listen. What is one, two, maybe all four of these ways that you can be an encouragement in their life this next week before you get back here next Sunday? Amen? We're going to do that. Get that person in your mind. Let's see what Paul did. First thing Paul does to encourage them is he affirms them. Man, he starts saying, man, you know what? I, I'm impressed with you folks. And stories are being told all over the world about your faith. Now, I've mentioned this verse. As a matter of fact, this is my fourth sermon. I think I've mentioned this all four times. You know, I've talked about that church. Man, they were talking about their faith. And we know in chapter 16, he comes back and says, and they're talking about your obedience. Man, all over the world, they're talking about you guys. You know, I started thinking about this. And I started thinking, you know, I wonder, if, I wonder what they say about Colonial Heights Baptist. Now, the first thing that came to my mind is, well, now, they don't talk about us all over the world. You know, I mean, it, it, that's just probably not the case. And then the next thing I thought is some things that I've heard, and I thought, well, no, I, I don't want to talk about those things they say about Colonial Heights Baptist. We want to keep this positive, right? But, you know, if, if you hear positive conversations, what are things people going to bring up? You know, they're going to talk about stuff like the Christmas musical, 
You might have people out there that, that bring up the, the Crestos events we do, some of that work. Maybe they talk about, you know, normally now when they talk about our church, yeah, the big building down by the light, the big building, big church. I mean, these are some ways that we're described. And so I'm thinking through, hey, you know what, how would they talk about our church family. And then a story came to me. It wasn't, last, wasn't this past week. It was the week before that. Before last Sunday. Uh, Wallace Nix, the head of Chosen Children Ministry, uh, emails Wes Rose, our missions pastor. And, and in that email, he's thanking him. It's somewhat of a standard letter. I mean, very genuine letter, very personal letter, but kind of what you expect. You know, man, thank you for your team. Man, thank you for the work they did. Here's the difference it's making. You know, it's just kind of a, a thank you email. But then he said something at the end of that email that is absolutely not standard at all. Something I've never seen in, in, a, in, a, in a letter from one ministry to another ministry. Wallace said this. I think I'm quoting it pretty close. He said to Wes... He said, since I've headed up Chosen Children Ministries in Nicaragua, I have hosted 6,000 believers from churches in America. And I have never seen anybody work as hard as the people you sent us. You are the hardest working church I've ever seen. And you know, when, when, when Wes was telling me about that, it reminded me, you know, that's not the first time we heard that. As a matter of fact, this year, back at the beginning of the year, uh, we, we sent a trip up to Boston. It was kind of a small trip. Didn't even make much to do about it. You know, we're, we're working with a church plant up there in Boston, and we sent three or four guys up there to do some. They had just gotten a new, uh, a new building and helped do some renovation and construction. And this guy planned like two or three days of work, and our guys got up there, and they were done in a day. And, 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 and he got the guy, the, the pastor, Bland. Y'all know Bland. Many of y'all know him from our GIC. He says, man, Wes, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to plan all these days. If it was only going to take a day, I just kind of planned based on how I always schedule things with other churches. And you folks just get up here and work so hard. Hey, Nicaragua to Boston. They are talking about something, aren't they? They're talking about how hard you guys work. And then I start thinking about some of those things we might hear in our community. You, you know why we have opportunities like we have with something like the Christmas musical? Because we have hundreds of you that will work so hard for months. Certainly some of those weeks leading up to it. You work so hard to make that happen. Why do we have the impact? Why can we make the difference that we do with things like the Crestos events? I, I had a teacher tell me within the last four weeks she was at a large administrative meeting for the county and they were talking about it then that happened last august here we are in april or may june now but it was in april still talking about it why are people talking about our church and our acts of kindness seven eight nine months later because we have hundreds of people so willing to work so hard Hey, folks, I got news for you. They're talking about Colonial Heights Baptist around this community, around this world, at how hard you work for the Lord. I think that's awesome, don't you? I mean, that, that's incredible. It, it, you know, I'll tell you something, and, and I hope it's not a sinful pride, but it, it makes me pretty proud. It makes me pretty excited about you and what you're doing. And I think maybe I feel a little bit like maybe Paul did here. Now, he didn't have the relationship with the church here that I, I have with you. He didn't, he didn't know this church. But man, he's proud of them. And, and he wants to affirm them where they are. He's saying, hey, are you guys feeling isolated? Are you feeling alone? Do you know why? Because you're out front. 
The rest of us are trying to catch up with you. Man, you are setting the pace at what faith looks like. You're setting the pace at, at, at obedience. And man, when he's saying that, what's he saying? Man, I acknowledge you. I see you. you. You inspire me. You challenge me. He affirms him. Feels good to be affirmed, doesn't it? Always feels good. Always, always, always. I don't care how much you think you don't need it. Everybody likes to hear, hey, you're making a difference. Hey, you mean something to me. You mean something to us. Who's there in your life this week needs to hear that? Who's there maybe feeling a little bit alone right now, a little bit beaten up inside the faith that could just really be encouraged if somebody would say, hey, you might tell you something. Man, the way you're holding on to the Lord through this, that's just really encouraging. It's inspiring. It's challenging to me. Man, the way you continue to obey in a, in a difficult environment, man, that really encourages me. Who do you need to affirm? Let me tell you something, it's always a blessing when they hear that, isn't it? So Paul affirms them. Second thing he does here, he says, he says here, I pray for you. Man, I constantly make mention. Now, he goes into a specific prayer request, but don't lose, he's saying, don't lose the idea there that he's saying, listen, I just constantly pray for you. Man, let me tell you something, folks, it's always a blessing to know, hey, somebody's thinking about me. Somebody's praying for me. Somebody is on their knees for me. What a blessing to think. Man, I don't know how much time that person had to talk with God today, but they used some of that time to talk about me. I mean, isn't anybody going to be encouraged by that? You know, I, I tell you something, folks. I am, I, and I guess this goes with my position, I, I get the blessing of being prayed for a lot. And, and I hear that a lot. I mean, I, I probably... Probably more than anyone in this room, I guess. I would have people come up to me and say, I'm praying for you. Maybe they come up and just say, hey, I'm just praying for you in general. You know, as, as pastor, I, I pray for you. Or I'm praying for this specific thing. Or, you know, I know the church is making this decision or doing this. Hey, I'm praying for you. Our family's praying for you. And folks, let me tell you something. That's always an encouragement. Number one, it reminds me, man, I'm supported. You know, I hear that. I feel like I'm loved. Again, I don't know how much time you had to talk with the Lord this week, but you used part of it to talk about me. I mean, I feel loved. You know, I feel like every time I hear that, I almost feel like that's God saying, I hear you, I see you, I know where you are, I know what's going on. It's always an encouragement to hear that. I have that blessing in my life. But you know what? I wonder how many believers, believers, rarely if ever have somebody say, I'm praying for you. I pray for you every Tuesday. Hey, you know what? I prayed for you this morning. You know, I know that blessing, but some of you out there don't. Maybe some of you have got friends who go to another church, maybe not in church right now. They're believers. Man, they need to hear that. Who is there in your life that really needs to hear? You know what? I had a few moments with God this morning, and I used most of it to talk about you. That's always an encouragement. So Paul affirms them. Paul prays for them. Third thing Paul does is he says, man, I want to be with you. I want to be. There's just nothing like physical presence, is there? I mean, it's good, to, it's good to send an email. It's good to make a call, send a little Facebook message, text. I do that a lot in ministry. That's a good thing to do. I don't want to downplay that. But folks, let's not underplay actually being there. Physical presence. Where you go when you, you talk. Paul says, man, I desire, I'm praying to be where you are. You know, if somebody's struggling in the faith, and we actually know that. We know this person is hurting. We know they're struggling. And we think about this idea of physical presence. 
do you realize that sometimes, and I'm kind of speaking for all of us, but I think it's true. Sometimes we kind of shy away from that person, don't we? I mean, if they're really hurting, they might ask us something we can't answer. Man, why is God doing this? Why is God allowing this? Where's God when? Why this? Why? And I don't know what to answer. And so we're kind of sometimes a little bit of afraid to engage that person because they might ask something and we, we feel a little bit uncomfortable. You ever heard somebody say, man, it's just important that you were there? I've kind of gone with that motto and, you know, it's just important to be there whether I can answer or not. And you know what? Darn, if they didn't ask a question, I couldn't answer. And it was quite uncomfortable. I mean, I get that a lot. Why is God doing this? I, I, I don't know. Where's God? I, 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 don't, I don't know. And that, that's not a comfortable moment. Now, that doesn't always happen. But you know what? Whether it does or not, you do get a week removed, a month removed. And you know what? That is what really mattered. Just that you were there. Just that you came by. More, much more so than what you answered or didn't answer is that you were there. Big word in, the, in, the, in Christian theology, the word incarnation. We use that word on Christmas a lot, don't we? Jesus incarnate, Jesus in the flesh. That's what that word means, in the flesh. It's God coming to be here in the flesh where we can see Him and touch Him and hear Him and, and talk to Him where He came to be with us. And that's what Paul's talking about right here is, man, I want to be incarnational with you guys. I, want, I desire to be in the flesh. I desire to experience what it's like to walk with Christ in that crime, in that filth, and in that place where you're having to trust Christ, where you're having to walk with Christ. Man, that's a ministry, folks. To have somebody alongside you, to have somebody there with you, right there, physical presence. Is there somebody in your life you need to be with this week? You need to stop by and say, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee, or let's go out to lunch, or... Maybe take them a plate of cookies at their house or something and just say, here. And then just stand there and listen and see what happens. Somebody you need to go and be with. Maybe that somebody isn't, isn't in our community. Maybe it's somebody a little bit further away you'll have to, to kind of plan and sacrifice, work for. Maybe even like Paul. I mean, I'm really praying for the time, the way, the opportunity that I can get there. But I want you to know I want to be there with you. Who do you need to be with? Fourth thing Paul does in this passage is he says, man, I want to help you out. I, I want to give physical help to where you are. But there's nothing like just good old-fashioned physical, tangible help, is there? Isn't there? I mean, you know what? If they need their yard mode, mow it. You know, if they need somebody to watch their kids so they can have five minutes of sanity, go watch their kids. Or if they need a date, go watch their kids. Man, who in your life just needs some help? You know, Paul says here, I want to come and I want to impart a spiritual gift to you. And what's that phrase mean? I want to impart. I've seen a lot of, uh, of elements of the Christian faith misinterpret, misuse that verse. It, it, they, they give the idea that Paul's going to come there and he's going to give them a spiritual gift. By his presence, by his laying on of hands, he's going to come and give them a gift. That's not what that verse means. It's not what it can mean. Two reasons. One, the Scripture teaches humans don't give humans spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit is the only one who gives gifts. Secondly, every believer is given a gift at their conversion. The moment you come to Christ, you are spiritually gifted. So there's no lack of spiritual gifts in the church at Rome. There's nothing He needs to come and give because they lack it or they need it. 
And you say, well, what, then what does it mean? I mean, it does kind of sound like that, right? I, I want to come and I want to impart to you a gift. What, what does that mean? What he's saying is, I want to impart to you, I want to give to you my spiritual gift. I want to come and live out. I want to come and exercise the way God has gifted me inside your fellowship. I want to bring help. I want to strengthen you in that way. And that is the purpose of spiritual gifts. The purpose of them, the reason you are gifted is so that you can help either A, an individual, or the whole body. We're given gifts so we can be a contributing part of the church family. Here again, I see a lot of people use gifts in the wrong way. They, they think gifts are about them. You know, gifts say something about my maturity. Gifts say something about my faith. Some, some faiths even teach that, you know, when you reach a certain level of lordship or a certain level of submission or, or you get to a certain place of confession in your life, then, then the gifts will come. No, the gifts are not a measurement of how you're progressing in the faith. The weakest believer in this room right now has a spiritual gift. The gifts don't say anything about you. That's not the purpose of them. The purpose of gifts is not to help yourself. You don't receive a spiritual gift so you can build up yourself, so you can encourage yourself. You're given a gift so you can bless, help, and encourage the body of Christ. Isn't that cool? You ever been the last person picked for a team? I have. It's a wonderful experience. You know, I heard somebody say the other day, when you're the last person picked, you weren't even picked. The other person was picked. The team got stuck with you. You ever been on a team where you knew I'm not really a contributing factor here? I mean, I kind of do my part. I kind of piddle around and play my part. But, but whatever this team accomplishes, it's not because of me. That's not a great feeling, is it? You know what? God has made sure, God has guaranteed you don't have to feel this way on Team Christ. He's made sure every one of us has a specific ability that can engage the church body, that can help the church body, that can contribute to the church body. Now, you and I have to pick that gift up. We have to use it. We have to exercise it. Paul says, man, I want to come and I want to exercise my gift with you and help you. And the result will be, what's he say there? Man, we'll be mutually encouraged. You'll bless me. I'll bless you. See, it goes both ways. They've been given gifts that will bless and encourage Paul. It's not just Paul, I'm going to come and I will bless you. No, man, this goes both ways. And you know what happens? It says it'll go out from there to the Gentiles. You know what Paul's saying? As the world, as a lost world watches the way that you and I help each other and take care of each other, it'll literally bring people to the faith when they see how beautiful it is when the body of Christ works. Tell you something, Paul loves this church in Rome. He is blessed by this church. He's encouraged by this church. And so likewise, he wants to encourage them. And he does that by affirming them. He does that by praying for them. He, he does that by saying, man, I want to be there with you. I want to be in the flesh in Rome. And I want to help you out. And do you see who he's doing this for? You know, when you, when you flip through the rest of the New Testaments, Corinthians, Ephesus, Galatia, man, these are churches that Paul planted, Paul started, some of these he spent years at. He doesn't know the church in Rome. He's writing strangers. There's a few individuals in the church that, that he knows, but as a whole, he's writing a church that he's never been to. Many of them don't know them. He's doing all this stuff for people he doesn't even know. Have you ever realized, and not just today's sermon, we do this in all kinds of sermons. Do you know when we listen about how we're going to apply God's word, do you notice we tend to think about how we're going to apply it with the people we love the very most? 
Man, how am I going to go home and do this with my, with my mate or my kids? Or how am I going to do this with my very best friends? Or how am I going to do this inside this room right here? And, and, uh, yeah, man, nothing like starting with those you love the most. But man, Paul's not doing with this with his best friends. He's doing all this for strangers. You know what this means, folks? It means that this side of the room is supposed to care about this side of the room. Isn't that what that means? You know, some of us, we come at, you came in here three years ago, you found a spot on this side of the room, you hadn't moved since. You're not even aware that I am much better looking on this side of the room, aren't I? Y'all tell them. Yeah, all kinds of people agreeing with me. Like four. Uh, but you know what? Isn't it interesting? Even we come to church, oh, it's a big church. Let me tell you something. You go to a church of 125 and the exact same thing happens. You cloister up. You know, I sit in my little space with my little five or six people around it. And then I go to my little class and I, I sit right there. That, and we get to, you know, our church experience rarely. Folks, if you're in a church of 125, if you're in a church of 10,000, your little circle rarely is more than about 25 to 50 people. And we, pretty soon it becomes easy for us to enti- define the entire church, define the entire faith by these 25, 50 believers we hang out with the most. Folks, Paul's doing this for strangers. So are we. This side of the room needs to care about this side of the room. This service needs to care about the next service. This church needs to care about other churches. You as believers not only need to care about, care about the believers here in Colonial Heights Baptist, you need to care about believers that are out there in other parts of your walk with life. Man, it's a beautiful thing when we care about each other. And boy, just the opposite is true, isn't it? How sad. How sad in heaven. And how sad here. When people actually struggle with following Christ because of the church. And that happens, doesn't it? Happens way too many times. Man, folks, let's be a church that cares. Hey, folks, all we got is each, each, each other until Jesus comes and gets us out of this mess. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to sing your praises, to give, to worship, to go study your word, to talk and to share. And, and Lord, to get to do that here, we, we do have kind of a blessing. We get to do that with a lot of believers. Lord, maybe, maybe out in our school or in our workplace, maybe out in our neighborhood, maybe we're trying to follow Christ in a place where we feel very alone, but we come here and we're reminded, hey, hey, I'm not alone. There's a lot of us trying to figure this thing out. There's a lot of us who are trying to, to follow after Christ. Father, I thank you that we get to come to this building and see that each week. But Lord, I pray we don't enter this building just thinking about what we get, how we're blessed. God, I pray we enter this building and we're constantly looking for who can I care for? Who can I love? Who can I affirm? Yeah, somebody in my family. Yeah, one of my best friends, but... God, maybe it's somebody that's a little bit further removed than my best friend circle. Maybe it's a believer I don't even know very well. God, would you give me an eye for that person, maybe inside this building? God, when I get out to my, my places of life this week, would you give me an eye for that person and show me, do I need to do one of these four things? Do I need to do all four of these things for a believer that just needs to be encouraged in their faith? God, would you quicken our heart and our mind? Lord, get... Help me to be on the lookout for that person. God, whatever else I need this week, whatever else I'm looking for, God, I just move that over into second place. God, would you just give me an eye for one thing this week, who I can encourage. 
Gosh, Lord, I wonder what kind of difference we would make if 2,000 of us left here today and we went out and we encouraged 2,000 other people. May it be so. May it be so. God, as I think about every one of these things that Paul's doing in the church there in Rome, I'm mindful you did every one of these things for me. You've done every one of these things for us. Oh, you affirmed us, that you loved us. You wanted us to be your child, even though we'd done nothing but sin and rebel. Romans chapter 8 tells me that the Son of God stands at the throne of the Father and prays for me. Same chapter says that the Holy Spirit prays for me. When, I, when my prayers run out, when my prayers run empty, man, the Holy Spirit picks that prayer up and flies it to heaven and makes it sound right. Boy, Lord, you, you put on flesh. You reduced yourself. You covered up your glory. You came to be with me. And we didn't treat you very good for doing that. We hung you on a cross. But you went because you were here to help us. You were here to do something for us we couldn't do for ourselves. Lord, help me to realize whatever I might do in somebody's life this week, the person I love the most or a complete stranger, whatever I do, it's been done for me. It's been done for me. It's in Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen.